0: This podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high-risk and challenging filming and time-lapse, covering health and safety videos for rail, construction, and infrastructure projects nationwide. Welcome to this week's Safer Learning Your Average. On the show this week, we'll get Brian. Brian's a bit of a different tact from our normal guest as he's not a full-time health and safety professional. Brian was very influential in my early career when we worked at the Robertson Group together and I'm going to just bring Brian in to introduce himself. Brian.
1: Yeah, good evening Blair and uh, many thanks for the invite. Yeah, I think as you said, uh, this is probably quite a unique podcast as as my core job is not directly safety related uh, but more operational. Yeah, as you said, my name's uh, Brian Pettigrew Blair and I'm the owner of Transition Construction Services, which is a, a fairly new consultancy service, uh, which offering construction management services from pre-construction right through to delivery. Uh, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to have worked uh, with yourself, Blair, as you know, in a large organisation uh, within Robertson. And uh, I think with a lot of synergies that we, we'll talk about later this evening, and we'll probably bounce off each other. I think the main thing or the main thing that we did achieve was breaking down the, the barrier between site managers and uh, the old, oh no, here's a safety guy coming, <laughs> uh, which was an age old problem, I think, in the industry. And, and I think by working together and working closely together, I think we did it extremely well. So yeah. many thanks for inviting me on tonight. i uh, really chuffed to bits to be here.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Brian. So I don't know if you've seen the format of the podcast. We yeah. like to just go right back to the start, your beginning. Where did you grow up?
1: Yeah, I come from uh, here on the west coast of Scotland. Uh, I was born and bred there. Uh, I stayed there for—I'm fifty-one now. Stayed there till I was about forty. Uh, my mum's still down there. Still stays in the same house. So very close knit community, as you know, down there it was all small, small kind of mining communities. Uh, I was brought up in a council scheme. Uh, it was a flat roofed—a uh, flat roof scheme that was that was named Jerusalem in its day. Uh, which has been long since flattened and rebuilt now. Uh, but my mum stays, as I said, she stays in exactly the same place. So so I think, yeah, I think well, Brian Blair, it, it was an extremely hard upbringing that I had. And uh, but I think it's given me an extremely strong grounding, which I believe is, is probably one of my greatest strengths that I've had throughout my career. And I, I think it's helped me to this day. I still use that grounding, which I think, uh, obviously, when we talk about the synergy between operational staff and dealing with health and safety and changing cultures for example if you've got a really good strong grounding I think that's it's an excellent tool to have in your your obviously box but uh, yeah it was a great place to stay the west of Scotland at that time when I was a boy there was still a Butlins down in there so uh, it was great to go at the weekend sneak in and uh, the only two weeks of the year that you didn't go was like the Glasgow fair when there was a a hold down the M77 so no still love it to this day still go down and see my mum and and, uh, my son's still
0: down there and it's a great place to be brought up. Brilliant, thanks Brian. So if we move on to talk about your first job, what was that Brian? Yeah, well I, it,
1: it went back to probably, I was 14 years old and uh, one of my father's best friend uh, owned a small building contractor uh, down in here, uh, doing a lot of smaller domestic multi-trade works so it wasn't an option. I was told my father, "Right, uh, you'll get two weeks off for your summer holiday then you're you're going to work for the next six so, so I think my 14th and 15th uh, summer holidays I spent six weeks in them just doing general labour and working with plumbers, brickies, joiners which I think gave me a really strong appetite for the industry as it was then so within two weeks I turning 16 uh, straight out of fourth year uh, I was given the option of apprenticeship but at that time uh, I was one of Mrs. Thatcher's uh, youth training scheme, one of the first, 1985. For those that might remember that, uh, so it was a choice between plumber, bricklayer, joiner. I chose a joiner. But in those days, the industry could attract and accommodate hundreds of apprentices. At that time, the amount of builders or contractors about, were, it was massive. It was massive industry, and probably a lot of my school friends and that were all into a trade background. When you went to technical colleges in those days, it was uh, hundreds of classes, like hundreds of guys. Nowadays, you're lucky if you can attract or get people to invest in, and probably like a dozen apprentices, so. But uh, yeah, as I say, it was uh, the place to be, being an apprentice. I completed mine, I had my advanced craft, in, uh, and and I was chuffed to be a time served joiner, as you would say. Yeah. So again, that was my first job, chuffed to be, uh, to get into the joiner side as well and have a trade back down behind me.
0: Mm-hmm. And then how did you move on from there, Brian, into kind of the management side of things? Can you talk us a little bit through your career?
1: Yeah, well, as I said, I spent... Uh, my apprenticeship was done when I was 20 years old. Then, uh, very quickly, I moved into I moved to another contractor who predominantly did uh, a lot of shop fit and bar work, that mm-hmm. type of thing. It was seven days a week at the time. Uh, and very quickly I managed to get into a kind of supervisory general foreman type position when I was 23 so uh, obviously quite young for that type of role uh, and then when I was 25 it was an old contracts manager of mine uh, moved to a, 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 the Don Group mm-hmm. near, luckily named Don Construction, Don Homes etc yep. he was running a, a kind of small works division so he gave me the opportunity to break into site management and mm-hmm. uh, which uh, was a big move at 20, 25 year old, and uh, but uh, to be fair, that was twenty six years ago, so that was where my first grounding and started in my first move into site management. Mm-hmm. So I think having that trade background and moving into that was really good. But uh, no, the good back the ground that I got as a tradesman was it was exceptionally good, and I think it taught me probably one of the biggest lessons I've had that I could relate to operational and kind of health and safety in terms of. Like learning by your mistakes very early on. Yeah. Uh, when I was a tradesman, I probably committed all the health and safety cardinal stunts that you could. You could probably have up your sleeve like uh, very changed days up when roof trusses up two stories out. No fall fall protection in those days was the concrete floor. It was below you. Uh, unfortunately, and the difference that I can see now in in the terms of twenty five years is night and day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just getting that message across, but. The biggest message for me at that time was as learning by your mistakes. It's things twice but before doing anything. And I think that's the message that you always have imparted through my career to people. Yeah.
0: Again, that's one that know, we've always know. discussed, isn't
1: it, Brian? The old joiners adich. Yeah, <laughs> well I did learn my mistakes. When I was a time served joiner, I get sent to a hotel uh, to change a window. I get sent up to room fourteen. Window out, window in, finishings on, all sealed up, chuffed as anything. Back in the yard for three o'clock, absolutely ecstatic. That was my first job that I'd done myself, and then it turned out I put the window in the wrong room. So, <laughs> so it was uh, a big, a big lesson <laughs> in thinking, 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 uh, thinking twice and striking once. So it was, uh, but it was good. No, but that, basically, I was twenty five. That got me into obviously my site management career. Yep. And, and as as you know, thereafter I've worked at kind of varying levels up to the, the positions I've had just now.
0: Mm-hmm. And can you talk us through the the roles that you were in there then, Brian? So you moved from site management up to kind of contract manager level. Yeah,
1: I went site management into project management. Uh, thereafter, into contracts management for probably about a five year, like in a five year period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so probably from a hands-on site-based operational perspective. I probably cut my cloth there for about a ten-year period, from some mm-hmm. twenty-five up to about thirty-five, mm-hmm. uh, and thereafter I started kind of moving into, would uh, you probably classes kind of more senior roles, kind of operational management, into construction management. So, so as I say, I'm kind of fifty-one at the moment. So for the last, uh, for about the last twelve or thirteen years, probably ten years of them were at uh, operational director level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I started, to be fair, at at Robertson at pre-construction, director into project director, thereafter into operational director, group operations, as you would say. So so probably for the last, last probably 15 years of my career, I've worked in the regeneration market. It was always mainstream construction, kind of larger projects. And then I was given the opportunity uh, back back then, as I say, about 15 years ago, it was a job with Ashley construction down in Linwood, which was, Demolishing all the low rise, sorry, the high rise flats, mm-hmm. uh, and then building affordable housing. So it was like seven sites down there. Uh, I got offered the, the kind of role to, to, to basically coordinate them all, mm-hmm. working with Sanctuary. So that was my first dabble into regeneration, and, and to be perfectly honest, loved it. Uh, yeah. Let's say I worked with Ashley for four or five years doing a couple of big regen schemes, mm-hmm. and then got offered the opportunity to go to Robertson, where you probably know they have quite a poor record in terms of delivering social housing, so they were looking for people from that background to come in. So spent, as you know, two or three years working with Robertson Construction, mm-hmm. and then uh, Robertson Partnership Homes uh, was born, as you would say. Yep. So there was probably it was a start-up business within the group mm-hmm. uh, from nothing up to probably about seventy million turnover over a five-year period. So it was two. That started it myself, shoot, as you know, and and. Uh, we grew the business uh, probably over that five years with probably all the challenges that went with it. As you know, Blair, it was, yep. you, can't, you can't sustain probably growth like that with the amount of sites that you have to do, but, but that's probably coming from a biased operational guy. I look uh,
0: at it. I was there, uh, Brian, I remember some of the pain that we went through. I yeah, I look at the challenges delivering of delivering multiple sites
1: yeah. and a lot it's down at the, the calibre of subcontractors, for example, and mm-hmm. a lot of the time, you know, some of the, some of the caliber of those guys that, which again can cause you major issues. So
0: mm-hmm. so to
1: say, yeah, like love my time at Robertson. Uh, and then two years ago I was given the opportunity to, to move to NG as the the regional managing director for Scotland
0: mm-hmm. after,
1: the, after the NG acquired to keep motor regeneration. So ran the business in Scotland, which was kind of 60 million turnover. Uh, but again, that was, for me, that was my, my next career move. It was the next progressive step for me uh, mm-hmm. as a person uh, to become, a, again, a leader of a business and uh, probably influence a lot more people and a lot more departments. So mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, again, one of my key roles was obviously doing it as safe as we possibly could.
0: Mm-hmm. So I was
1: fortunate enough to be involved with a, a kind of worldwide, not not just a multinational contractor, it was a worldwide contractor in NG who, as you know, were involved in offshore wind farms, for example, and, and they... Mm-hmm. And again, heavily involved in the transitional journey to zero carbon. But again, with that became safety-related challenges as well. So being involved in a lot of big campaigns, working regionally with my kind of shake managers and colleagues. So yeah, those two years were were exceptionally busy. And I think mm-hmm. I've I like to think I've influenced a lot of people. So mm-hmm. so again, I've now now worked for myself, launched my own company. Yeah. Uh, I feel more happier, but I'm more grassroots operational level so I'm kind of starting from scratch, starting to grow my own business and uh, to be fair I've had a lot of, a lot of very loyal clients that have kind of stuck by me but yep. uh, starting in a social housing market again, picking mm-hmm. up smaller 20, 30 units sites but for me it's getting that first impressions right, it's for me a health and Sunday for the HSE drives by one of my sites though. I think they'll immediately get that sense of professionalism like a sense of confidence but I want to deliver my sites the right way as well, Blair. I'm, I'm kind of sick and tired with the way some of the some of the sites go just now, and the way the industry is being portrayed. And mm-hmm. I just want to make a difference. To be fair,
0: yeah. Uh, we worked a lot on standardisation in the past, Brian. Standardising the site setup, how it looked, yep. how it felt, holistically, how the culture was on site. And mm-hmm. you were very careful at selecting site managers that wanted to come on, wanted to make a difference, and wanted to make sure the site was run properly and safely. Can you talk us a little bit about how you recruited some of those guys because you had an excellent team at one time behind you that you grew holistically to pull together all of those skills and talents?
1: Yeah, I think think a lot I would probably done through a personal contacts player. Just again, I think it's my very grounded approach. I think geared geared me more towards probably Mm ex-tradesmen. But thereby... I was very keen to bring in some some like-minded graduates as well. Somebody could actually bring in that had the willingness to to learn, uh, the willingness to have probably a really safe approach to what they do. And somebody could just grasp uh, I would give the guys a backup for a senior management perspective in terms of it wasn't just about uh, driving cash out of a job, it was bit, for me it was doing it safely, it was doing it right to the right quality. So if I was bringing somebody into my team, I was very selective, I must admit. They had to have the same probably outlook or work ethic and and, and morals that I had. Like, uh, mm. and I think uh, that's why I managed to recruit a lot of really good, strong guys, guys that would listen to me. And I think uh, we always look anywhere. with some of the dinosaurs that, uh, as you know, just uh, were very hard. But I think I was mm-hmm. very fortunate throughout my career with the likes of you and myself, but I, th- I think having a good, strong operational leader that will back their guys that will work hand-in-hand with a, a health and safety manager, a check manager, for example, yep. you know straight away, you, you weren't going on to sites just intentionally to pick up things. You were picking oh. them up because it was unsafe. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, it, if a health and safety manager has got a very reactive operational leader, you know, mm-hmm. you could pick up the phone from me and I would jump in the car or we would go to sites together and very togetherness we, we raised the bar I think we raised the culture We raised, and and people would say that, see that and liked it and embraced yep. it and I think uh, for me having really good strong site managers that were right behind you they, that cultural difference it just it does make a difference yep. when people start to do it the right way I've always said that I think uh, it was hard for us probably for a 6-12 to 12 month period but I think we really did raise a bar and we did make a difference and Obviously, our safety performance reflected that across the group.
0: Yeah, I would probably go to the, the service strikes conversation at this stage, Brian, that we had a number of service strikes and we really worked hard to drive that down We're a 77% reduction over that year period that we worked on it. I had done a presentation a couple of weeks ago with the iosh Qatar branch, I yeah. spoke about some of the set up, site setup that we put together for the kind of pre-construction stage that we were sending the specialist digging team out, identifying all the services, producing master drawings and using new technology at the time, like the ground penetrating radar, to give us that real yeah. picture and having a real tight control on it. And we wouldn't have been able to achieve that without the operational directors and yourself coming in and saying, okay, We'll back this and we'll trial it and we'll run it out and then we started to see tangible results with it and run with it from there so that was excellent yeah
1: because there were there was people within the organization that that bought into it and people that didn't at a, no. a director level and mm-hmm. and again the results proved that to be fair mm-hmm. and the statistics proved it so i think uh, getting that getting those ingredients right and gelling them together the ops and the safety guys is, is critical well, i was very fortunate it, uh, uh, within NG as well had some really proactive people mm-hmm. and again, I think uh, the, the team about Robertson for example, people do follow good good leaders, leaders that back them up and, and uh, they like to work in a safe manner and stuff so so that's that's where I want to make a difference and I'm an SME at the moment as you would say but uh, for me I want to bring in that same calibre of site manager I want mm-hmm. to bring just now likes of using that the citation system mm-hmm. in terms of, for health and safety documents uh, at the moment but my plan is obviously to the recruiter my health and safety advisor possibly for a graduate stage that that's somebody that's had a good grounding somebody that could come into my business the somebody that I can take by the hand take them to sites uh, and get them working in the way that I know how to build a house safely I know how to build flat safety safely, I know how to work at height safely, mm-hmm. a really excellent grounding from a yourself, Blair, in terms of underground cable or utility awareness, yep. it's all those things and knowledge that I want
0: to impart into somebody. Brilliant, so if there's anybody out there watching, reach out to Brian, he'll be able yeah. to help you out. On the same token, Brian, I would also probably say, how do people get in contact with you if they want to use your consultancy service? Because I think you're a specialist in small to medium-sized enterprises, yeah. the startups is your bag, isn't it? Getting those social housing projects working properly and really delivering that unique product and the delivery is also the key. I don't think there was any jobs that we didn't deliver on time and on budget. No, we I think,
1: fortunately, over a fifteen-year period, to have built a, a large network of, like, within councils and residential social landlords and. And as I say, the, probably the backbone of my business is, is identifying land, finding a counsellor in an RSL, but I joined the dots up in terms I want to deliver it and deliver it well. So, yeah, as I said, uh, you can contact me through LinkedIn or, or get to my website. I've got a webpage that you can complete an inquiry form. But, yeah, happy, happy for anybody to contact me even for a bit of information, guidance, mentorship, you name it. Mm-hmm.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Brian. If we move on to talk about what your biggest challenge has been in health and safety.
1: Yeah, I had a really good think about this one, Blair, to be fair. And, and it's uh, one of the biggest ones for me and it's always has been. the, And it's still to this day, the, the old changing behaviours. It's the old... Yeah. I've done this for 30 years. I'll, like uh, It's not going to happen to me. Uh, that behavioural thing is just... Uh, I just... I make the time to stop and speak to people. It's, you know, yourself. You could walk, you could walk by a ground worker that's using a whacker plate and these no deer defenders are pointing towards the sky. And we stop, don't walk by and say to them. And nine times out of ten, it was, oh, are they up there? And they put them down. But you usually get the old one that's, oh, what do I need them for? It's only, it's only going to be 20 seconds. There's that. And there's, again, the big thing they don't walk by. I think I touched on earlier. Eh, learning was the Erlenboim mistakes.
0: Yeah. If
1: I think back, what accidents could I have had? Mm-hmm. Uh, very fortunate not to. When I think back and cringe and go, oh, my God. And, uh, kind of some of the things I've done as a joiner. But uh, now I feel having that experience, I can make a difference. And I will make a difference. And I, I do have that approach to, to, obviously, the industry. And, and again, the age old, the old human error one. And that's, that's probably, I would say, the biggest challenge that we have. Uh, even very recently, I'll give you a scenario. It was uh, an NG project It drives into Edinburgh towards St Hill. You'll see the the large uh, development on the left, the uh, 400 unit scheme. There's, there's flats adjacent to the roundabout. I think it was six lifts of scaffold up. The scaffold was fully segregated, signs up, do not enter. Uh, Again, under under repair or under the new refit. Again, first thing in the morning, about nine o'clock, I think a, a brickie's labour decides to get up and he's left somebody in there. crawls through the, cross through the handrails as they normally do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, goes up onto another lift, a scaffold at a pin end. Turns turns quite quickly. His ankle stays in the same place and dislocates his knee. Uh, so automatically emergency procedures, phoned emergency services. Paramedics can't get up, six lift of scaffolds to get somebody, so they phone the, the fire service. Fire service come full emergency procedures. Uh, again up with the, the basket uh, turned into a, a major incident. Road was shut night to uh, rush hour, yep. uh, On we social media Antarctica. social media by the time it hit the NG's head office in London There was a fatality, for example, and then, you know, just the way it gathers, but Mm -hmm. uh, after the investigation, uh, it was down to human error, it was just down to somebody ignoring safety signage, going into a segregated area, fully inducted, fully rams, method statements, uh, fully recorded and signed, Uh, but again, the old human error thing, and it's, I think, so many accidents, as you know, uh, the statistics show that the human error is just... Unfortunately, one of the biggest challenges. But uh, but I think uh, that aside, I think uh, looking back to what we achieved, Blair, looking having that civility costs nothing. Yeah, I respect gains respect in any industry, and I think I think uh, some of the initiatives that we put in place uh, over a kind of two or three years, I think I, I still think back to that, and I still use them. And yeah. I think uh, that's the advice I would give to MD coming into this business.
0: Yeah, definitely, and some of the kind of coaching that we've done with the site personnel as well, bringing guys like Dylan Skill yeah. to do his presentation, very hard-hitting, and then going out there and saying, look, we've just spoken to Dylan, he's told us about his accident, we're working at height, let's go and do a working at height assessment on the site now, and walking yeah. the site with them, and pointing out some of the issues. That really starts to build that culture up, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, without that shadow of doubt. So, one, so unfortunate. Uh, but so hard-hitting it's just, uh, there's probably not a day or two goes by that I think about Dylan and I was actually talking about it today to somebody
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, that was doing this tonight to tune in and, and again I used kind of Dylan example of some of the initiatives we put in place and when I told somebody today Dylan's story again couldn't believe it, so unfortunate for Dylan but you've got to take your hat off to, to the likes of Dylan and, and Jason in terms of what they're doing for the industry yeah, and again, it's such something I hope to use going
0: forward. Mm-hmm. So, what advice, Brian, would you give to someone starting out in health and safety today?
1: Straight away for me, I think I've touched on it, like building relationships with with site teams. Uh, again, getting into operational leadership, see the guys that influence site managers and operational managers and contracts managers. Uh, again, straight away, it's building that relationship. Like getting away, I think I touched on it earlier. It was how many times do you get a phone, go, oh, the safety guy's here. It's it's It shouldn't be like that. There mm-hmm. shouldn't be a safe culture. And I think uh, if you've got that right mentality, then it's not just crisis management. Your site will look good. Like I think, uh, I, think I touched on this earlier. I was on a, uh, credit where credit's due, I was on a Cala site up in Aberdeen yesterday and it was pristine. Best site I've seen. So in mm-hmm. terms of pedestrian routes, COVID uh, precautions, uh, you just walked in. The guys are saying a professionalism, traffic management plans completely up to date. But I think having that bond with the obviously operational guys, I think is extremely critical.
0: Yeah.
1: For me, for me, mental health awareness extremely close to my heart. Mm-hmm. I think uh, myself, I had a case of that with my own my own son. To be fair, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think it's extremely close to my heart. Just a bit observing that you just don't know what's it. going on in people's heads nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the kind of younger generation, as you know, the likes of suicide rates and stuff like that as well. I think, I think yeah. we really need to get deeper into people, talk more, sit mm-hmm. them down. Obviously, when we get by this pandemic, hopefully, we're back to a bit of normality. Uh, yeah. But as you know yourself, I said that to my wife earlier. In terms of, she's working from home, get in, get a bit of routine, get out, get out and about. Again, I think that's for a wider thing, but I think it's, it's thinking, thinking in terms of how can you truly make a difference to people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think by getting out there and speaking and being on site, and again, don't be dictator-like, gets you nowhere for me. I think it's we're a, we're a perfect example of working with people, and I think that's why we nailed it. And mm-hmm. that's probably the advice I would give to MD Blair.
0: Brilliant, thanks for mine. So where do you see yourself progressing to in the future, Brian? You've obviously started your own consultancy now. It's going really well. You've got a few key clients. What's coming next?
1: Yeah, for me, I think I've touched on social housing and regeneration is, is my game. Uh, uh, I'm an operational guy. Uh, I like to say I'm just a daft joiner. <laughs> but uh, that, that's what was very good about working in Robertson. Lynn. If you say you're just daft, a daft joiner like Bill, then nobody could... <laughs> yeah, but, no, but for me, I genuinely want to do make a difference based uh, Blair, and I think by doing so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, just growing my own business, really, and getting a couple of sites up and running, uh, and just keeping it controlled, doing it safely, building a good reputation for myself as, as somebody that people can trust and go to, uh, mm-hmm. But and, and employ like-minded people that likes operational and, and safety. So, yeah, for me, for me now, it's a new venture. A different area for me, like in terms of my own business, but uh, I've been fortunate to have the support of a lot of people. And and uh, I'm just uh, watching this space for transition, so really, really buzzing about the future.
0: Yeah, thanks, Brian. Thanks very much for coming on the show. It's been absolutely fantastic having you on as a guest.
1: I oh, appreciate it. I hope I haven't rambled on too much. It's, not
0: at all. Not
1: at all. Uh, I've got some good good life experience out there that I that just do like to impart with people brilliant thanks brian not much appreciated
0: this podcast is sponsored by inside out group the specialists in high risk and challenging filming and time-lapse covering health and safety videos for rail construction and infrastructure projects nationwide